listening to a podcast from Light FM. It's the Light Breakfast with Asha and Terry. Good morning. Good morning. Special insights to be had from this special interview with journalists Idila Razak and Andrew Ong from Malaysia. Kini discussing data and a survey they did about the Green Wave generational gap. So Kini News Lab recently released an article that utilized data from the 15th general election back in 2022. And based on that data, what voting trends do you find interesting is what we want to know. How does this differ from years past? Let's start there first. Actually, you know what? Before we go into this, let's get a like an overview of how you ran this uh, data collection and then the uh, deciphering of it. The reason why we uh, did this project was uh, we wanted to solve a, a, a problem that we had, which was to figure out how people voted at the national level mm-hmm. as well as how they voted at the sixth state level. Uh, because the elections were not held in six states. But the way the data was structured allowed us to have a peek at how people voted at that constituency level. Uh, the second problem that we wanted to solve uh, was that at the time there was a lot of noise. People were saying that this wave, this this color wave, that wave is mm, uh, mm. going to hit which state. And we wanted to test uh, whether there was uh, any basis to that. Right. So when you wanted to test it, you took for in order to do that you would have taken just the data from the six states that are involved in this election and then broke it down how what was that process like and what were the age and various different breakdowns that you used at the very basic level mm. uh, it, it only provides uh, enough information for you to see how people voted at the the state level mm-hmm. uh, i'm not too sure how to um, break things down by age uh, idila can you take that please okay sure yeah so uh, actually we did two projects based on this uh, the data the first one helped us kind of predict if people voted the same way in the ge what would happen in the state elections and the second one looked at how different ages voted. How we did that was that we used uh, Saluran data. So as we know, the Election Commission organises our uh, election data according to voting streams. So you know when you go vote at the polling station, you like Saluran 1, Saluran 2, etc. Right. So um, largely, it is uh, based on age because they organise it based on uh, when you register. So there are Saluran which have uh, the youngest voters, right. um, we, largely speaking, and then the oldest voters. So what we did was we looked at these two and compared the results. And what we found was that, I mean, I'm talking generally and mm-hmm. just for Peninsular Malaysia, uh, most of the oldest voters or older generation voters voted for BN and then Pakatan Harapan, okay. while the youngest ones mostly voted for uh, Perikatan National and then Pakatan Harapan. Interesting. So, yeah, so what we see is kind of like a generational divide between in Malaysia in terms of how people vote and what they think is important, I guess. Right. Is there a strikingly different voting um, preference when it comes to states that are considered more central than those that are considered more rural? There are some uh, differences. Of course, you can see it more this trend is more pronounced in more Malay uh, majority seats, la, I would mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. But you do see the trend because we have the data d- down to the uh, polling district level. So not just constituency. So you, you can see it. Th- this trend gets even more pronounced in the more rural areas. I agree. Mm-hmm. But then even, even within uh, urban areas, you can see it as well. In our report, we, we look at Selangor. And you can see the areas that are kind of close to uh, central KL. Mm-hmm. I say uh, Gomba would be one of the areas. You okay. can see this trend in Gomba as well. So Gomba is a fairly urban area. Right, interesting. Mm-hmm. Going back to the 
trends that you've noticed with the generation gap? I mean, how does that gap influence voting trends as we sort of, as you've said, more young voters and older voters having a, a much more distinct political stance? Yeah, so I think when we look at data, data just tells you what is, but it doesn't tell you why. So mm. when we did the, the second part of our series, which looks at this generational gap, we reached out to um, maybe about a dozen young voters who voted for Perikatan National and asked them why. Mm. So uh, for, some of them were voting for the second time, some were voting for the first time. And they basically explained to us that they were voting for uh, anti-corruption. That's one thing. Mm. They didn't want BN anymore because they got the impression that BN was uh, very corrupt. Right. That's the, what the voters mm -hmm. told us. Mm. And they were not too keen on Pakatan Harapan because they felt like um, some of the policies were too liberal. Of course, mm -hmm. that's their word and not mine. Right. So, And quite a lot of them explained it in that um, it's kind of an extension of their uh, Islamic identity. In their, as Muslims, they feel that they should support an Islamic party. So these are kind of the motivations of young voters. Can I just ask of the young voters that you're referring to that you managed to interview and get yeah. their opinions on why they voted? Was it a cross-section of of young voters across certain states or were they yeah. mostly from a specific state? So they were How from, did that work? Yeah. yeah, they were from Selangor, from Kedah and from Pahang. Okay. So, uh, yeah, but of course all of them were, were Muslim, in fact. Right. Because we were looking really closely at these seats with the most pronounced um, trends this way and most of them were Malay majority seats. Okay. This generation gap, should it be bridged or does it not have to be bridged and from a sort of political standpoint if bridging was something that would be desirable as, as a sort of overall outcome what would be the best course of action in making that happen i wouldn't know what's the best course of action for a, a political party but in general i feel coming out of this uh, of the election and looking at the results there would be an impression that young people are uh, maybe too conservative or they don't quite know what they're voting for and i think that's a bad way to look at it hmm. because they they are rational voters based on the information that they have and this idea of uh, them being conservative and should be in a way demonized I think that's also quite a, a, a bad way to look at it I think it's more about under, like what we tried to do was understand why they voted for this uh, coalition and then see what what sort of gaps do you have from their, what they understand to be true of this coalition and what is actually uh, the truth. La. So, of course, because they are um, they probably 18, 19, they didn't pay attention to politics so much when they were in school. Mm. Now they're voters. Um, quite a number of them do not have... Um, they don't understand a lot of the political history. So we've got a lot of changes. We've had a lot of changes over the past even five years or so, right? Mm. Mm. So what they know is uh, whatever um, is the polit uh, political parties are branding themselves now. So for the for GE15 campaign, Perikata National went big on how they are clean, they are new. So that was something that, the, that resonated with the young people. Of course, when we spoke to political scientists about this, analysts about this, and they, they feel that maybe this draw might not be as strong this time around because hmm. since then there have been um, very senior leaders from Perikatan National who, will be, who have been um, charged for corruption. So that might right. might um, make these young people consider whether the branding is uh, matches what is right. Talking about young people, what always goes hand in hand with that is social media. Yeah, I mean, that's the way they they consume and, and have an understanding of what's happening in the world. So, does social media play a positive or negative role in voting trends? 
Andrew. I would like to address the, the your earlier question to to Idila. Oh, okay. You said something about uh, bridging uh, the generational gap. Yeah, if that is I, at all necessary, even. I, uh, I think that is absolutely not necessary. <laughs> the voters are always right. The problem is not never the voters. And the other thing that we need to take note of is political parties, except for some exceptions like PSM, demand-driven. They react to the market. Thank you. Okay. That's an interesting thought. The fact that a voter is never wrong. But do you feel misinformation is part of the issue though? If a voter is never wrong, can they be misguided? And which is, comes back to the social media related question that Asha just mentioned about as well. Like how much does social media play into that? Especially when we are talking about younger voters. Based on the interviews that we did with the young voters, quite a lot of them said that they got their information from social media. And um, since then I have done, I have spent quite a bit of time on TikTok uh, against, <laughs> against my my desires, actually. It but, comes across in the tone of voice that you just <laughs> took as well. <laughs> yeah, it was a TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and yes, I agree that there are there is uh, misinformation, not just on TikTok, across the board, mm. uh, but in TikTok, it's a bit harder to check, I think, mm. um, because of the format that it takes. Uh, say in Facebook and in, in, in Twitter, even on Instagram, you can see uh, if something is um, outright misinformation. There mm. are others who will counter it on the on the uh, post itself. But on right. TikTok, it's a bit harder, right. and you kind of get into this tunnel vision where if you're just uh, liking a certain bunch of posts, you will get the same over and over again, and that kind of um, what do you get? It cements your belief that this is true. So I confirmation uh, bias correct. because of the algorithms. Yep, yep. So I, I do agree there is a danger of that, and the voters could be misled if they only rely on uh, one source of information. Earlier on, you sort of mentioned that um, some results were more obvious because it was sort of like surfing that wave that was already happening. Some are surprising, some are interesting. Based on the data you collected and the research that, that you've done, what kind of predictions can we make about the outcome of the upcoming state elections, if any? Our work uh, does not seek to do any sorts of uh, modelling or predictions. Uh, instead, what we did was uh, we created a tool for ourselves to see what sort of gaps would uh, either side uh, would need to close in order to win oh, during okay. the six-state election. Right. And once we created a tool for ourselves, we were satisfied that it had some science in it. Mm -hmm. uh, we uh, decided to release it for the public. So what it, it does, it allows the public to play the role of a campaign manager or an election strategist to simulate various scenarios based on two factors. One is turnout for uh, supporters for uh, each of the three big coalitions mm -hmm. as well as the swing. So uh, turnout means how many of my voters that I can mobilize to vote for me. Right. Swing means how many of my rivals' voters that I can steal from. Right. Based on what you've just said, that's very interesting. So I'm sure using this tool, you've done some various modelings of your own to see what the outcome would be. Would that be fair to say? That's right. Okay. So give us some of the interesting outcomes that you have modelled yourself. Can you share that with us? I think what... Uh, Malaysians want to know is whether uh, Selangor will change hands <laughs> and what will happen in Kedah. Mm. 
because even with a cursory look uh, of uh, GE 15 data, you know that this is where the gap is kind of the closest. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Selangor, uh, in order for Perikatan National to win, the gap is about, I believe, 18-19%. Wow. So that you have to generate quite a bit of swing. Uh, in Keda, it's a, a little bit smaller. It's okay. roughly about 14%. Okay, so... That's interesting. That is very interesting because I'm interested to know, based on the modeling, what makes the swing, make it, makes it swing either way. Keeping it clear that this is based on the modeling of this one... Do you call it a service? Do you call it a, an app? But based on what you have that people can generate using this modeling, what would it take to swing either way? We call it a calculator. Okay. Basically, a cal- <laughs> <laughs> thanks for making it simple and plain. Okay. So, yeah. What would it take? Uh, I don't know. That, that would be beyond the scope of what we did. Oh, so you didn't model it this way? Turn out, wouldn't it? Turn out would, would change results. That is definitely a big one. Which is very interesting because the everyone anticipates turnout to be much lower for state elections. So taking that into account, let's say it is a low turnout. Based on what we can see on the, from the modeling, which way would Selangor swing and which way would Kada swing if it was low turnout? I think the best way to answer this is yeah. to look at Johor. Okay. So the Johor state elections were held in March 2022 when uh, borders were still closed and the turnout was horrible. And that was the first election after automatic voter registration. So, and in that election, Barisan National won two thirds of the seats. In the subsequent GE15, uh, we could carve out. We know exactly how many people voted in Johor. Mm. So we know what the turnout rate was like. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we could also uh, estimate if the state elections were held concurrently for Johor in November 2022, then Pakatan Harapan would have been able to form a government with a simple majority without having to ally with anybody else. Right. So turnout matters. So the turnout can drastically change the election results. So we're looking at uh, the state election was about 50%. Mm-hmm. For Johor state election, turnout was about 50%. And then for GE, it was uh, closer to 80 Wow. Yeah. Wow. That was a stark difference. I didn't realize that it was... Yeah. Wow. Okay. So the numbers that matter are actually the people. Yeah, absolutely. People matter. <laughs> People matter. <laughs> based on the data that you have and, and based on how you've put the data together, is there something that we should, that stands out that you want to share with us that we didn't get to ask you about? Most of your listeners won't be aware that uh, election data is sold by the Election Commission. Mm. So we had to spend uh, quite a bit of money in order to collect data that essentially belongs to the people because elections are for the people. Hmm. Now, our neighbours in Indonesia, our friends in uh, Taiwan, Australia, they have granular election data down to the individual ballot box Hmm. for free. It's easily accessible. Uh, Hmm. But for some uh, odd reason, the Election Commission Secretariat sees it fit to profit from this. Interesting. Mm. Yes, I, I think one thing that I would encourage people to do is to go to our page, um, the second one, mm. which we, I mean, you can go to the Kini News Lab uh, site and it'll be, it's the first one on the page. 
and play around with the interactive map that we have. Right. So the map actually, I mean, no one else has published anything like this before where you can put in your address or not even your address, your taman lah, your condo, your kampung. Right. And mm-hmm. then see how your neighborhood voted. Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. So That's fascinating. You might think that, oh, I live in this so-called, uh, let's say, red area, so Pakatahapan mm, area, mm. and then realize that, no, actually, my polling district is green. Yeah. Yeah. So it, some some results have been surprising, and because just because the constituency voted a certain way, so your parliament is uh, voted for BN, for example, it right. doesn't mean that your polling district or even your state constituency um, is aligned with that party. That is very very interesting, mm. actually. So actually, with that, that's what we should encourage everyone to do right now. In fact, to get a better idea of your neighbors and also where you're living in, and to get some data, and also then to model, play election or campaign manager to see uh, what it would take for your state or any other state to lean a certain way. Uh, go and check that out right now. What is the um, website that they can go to? You can just type Kini News Lab. So that's K I N I. News Lab uh, into your Google search or whatever uh, browser that you prefer. Right. And it should pop up the first one and uh, the first one on that page would be the one with the um, interactive map and okay. then the second one would be with the uh, election um, simulator or calculator whichever right. you want to say. Fantastic. And with that after- I hope after that they people come out to vote because as we know turnout matters. I'm off to do that right now. See ya. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much to Adila as well as Andrew. Thank you guys for joining us here today. And um, we look forward to seeing what we're going to find out by visiting those sites and modeling it ourselves. And ultimately, of course, what the real election results will be when the state elections finally head our way. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. This was quite fun. Thank you. And of course, if you want to find out more, you know who to go and get in touch with, especially around the Green Wave generational gap. Thank you once more, Dilla and Andrew. You can listen to this again on the Light Breakfast podcast that's found on the Shock app. You've been listening to a Light FM podcast on Shock. That's S-Y-O-K.